You're listening to Grim Creepers on KSFS Radio San Francisco at ksfsmedia.net slash radio. KSFS is an audio service of the Broadcast and Electronic Communication Arts Department and San Francisco State University. Some rights reserved under the Creative Commons license. The Ephialtes of the Greeks and the Incubus of the Romans is one of the most distressing to which human nature is subject. Imagination cannot conceive the horrors it frequently gives rise to, or language describe them in accurate terms. They are a thousand times more frightful than the visions conjured up by necromancy or diablerie and far transcend everything in history or romance. The whole mind, during the paroxysm, is wrought up to a pitch of inutterable despair. A spell is laid upon the faculties, which freezes them into inaction, and the wretched victim feels as if pent alive in his coffin, or overpowered by resistless and immitigable pressure. (laughs) That was how Scott, yeah, Scottish physician Robert McNish described nightmares in his book, The Philosophy of Sleep. Wow, what an opener. Yeah, I just love that. It's so poetic. And I figured what better way to start our episode on nightmares than to have this just visceral like description of what a nightmare feels like. Yeah, wow. That was totally vivid. If y'all haven't guessed already, today's episode, I'm super excited. We're talking about nightmares, baby. Yes. The creatures that haunt your dreams. Boy, oh boy. I feel like it's pretty universal that people have experiences with these kind of uh, reoccurring dreams and nightmares. So it's been really, really cool to reach out to y'all and hear your experiences as well as kind of comparing and contrasting with ours. Yeah, thank you guys so much for your participation in this because I'm just blown away by your stories. I think that they're perfect for what we're going to be talking about today. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a big fan of hearing people's nightmares. I love it. I also, uh, actually, recently, I haven't been dreaming too much. Mm. I think, like, up until about a year ago, I was having really, uh, really crazy dreams. Mm-hmm. Now I have very mundane dreams. I had a dream not too long ago that I bought dish soap. Yeah, <laughs> yep, that's kind know. of how most of my dreams go. I have a lot of stress dreams, but nothing I can really describe as nightmares, at least not since I was a kid. And even then, they're kind of goofy. It's like stuff that would scare a kid, like being chased by a giant cat or like a pineapple with a hyper-realistic human face. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's about the extent of it. But I, I can't wait to hear some of these. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I did want to start off um, by just giving us a little info on something that's very common which is teeth dreams. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, a lot of people that I talk to have some sort of experience with teeth dreams. First of all, I'll talk about myself. Yeah. I've had numerous sleep or teeth dreams rather. Most of them have to do with me losing all of them in my mouth and then spitting them out and trying to spit them out. And I can't speak. Yeah. Um, <laughs> although the most vivid one I had, I think I was in like middle school or something. I had a loose tooth and I'm wiggling it 
and then my just my whole jaw comes loose. Oh no! So that that was pretty significant. A lot of people have teeth dreams. I think it's because we spend so much of our childhood losing teeth that we don't we we have that lingering memory of what it feels like to have like this little divot in your gums and to be like wiggling a tooth and it's just an awful really palpable feeling. Right? You know that feeling when you're wiggling a tooth and then you can feel when you like snap it off the nerve or like pop it out of the gum, you know? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. oh. Oh, it just makes me cringe thinking about it. Yeah, I don't know what it is about teeth that are so cringy. Like, I, ooh. So another person, my friend Bali, who is actually a treasure trove of dream experiences. We're going to hear more from her later. Mm -hmm. Um, But she's also had a number of uh, teeth dreams that include the same kind of falling out and spitting out that we talked about, as well as teeth crumbling Um, and I've had some like that too just having really soft teeth or like you know crumbling out of her mouth and then also this one was a little ooky teeth rotting out and filled with insects so looking at some of the um reasoning behind this and funny enough there there's a website called teethfallingoutdream.org oh that's so specific at least they've cornered their market i guess and talking about teeth falling out in your dreams not just teeth falling out in general it's got to be this very narrow audience right yes exactly but at least it's a dot org so you know Um, you can trust a dot org if it was a dot com, I would just be like, well, that's not a reliable source. But yeah, the only dot coms that I trust are black with neon green text and um, lots of clip art of UFOs. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, actually, a lot of the meaning behind most of these were pretty similar that with the teeth falling out. Of course, it's like a a moment of transition in life, maybe not being in control, um, maybe personal loss or compromise. One that I found was interesting was perhaps a compromise that you made where you feel like you sacrificed more than you should have or you felt like it was costly to you. Or it could be a a sign from your body that you need to take uh, take a little better care of yourself or maybe check in with your support system. The thing about teeth falling out that I thought was pretty funny is... Mm -hmm. Good old Freud says. Uh, oh, Freud. <laughs> I'm going to be talking a little bit about Freud, too, because oh. he's just kind of a dream analysis guy. There's, like, a lot of psychoanalysis doesn't really touch it, but Freud, he loves dreams. Yeah, He Freud, reads a lot into dreams. He's all up in your dreams. Yeah, he says that teeth falling out could be about sexual repression and the desire to be nurtured. He says that about everything. I know. I was going to say, is that not the most Freudian thing ever? Like, he, he does apply that to everything, so... He's, his argument is always, well, you're just trying to say what's desirable. You don't want anyone to know that you think teeth are sexy. So <laughs> I'm just going to project onto you and you can't refute it. Right. I mean, you can't prove that it's not you thinking teeth are sexy because it's your subconscious and everything in your subconscious is about sex. Yes. Uh, and you know what? I bet your mother had teeth. And you know, Jacques Hughes. Yeah. So that's what Freud says. But with the rest of the teeth here, uh, with the loose teeth and loose jaw in my case, another difficult transition, perhaps feeling unsettled or unsure about something. I personally think that might have something to do with like regression or maybe being reminded of something 
in your childhood which you felt in control of uh, because to me loose teeth really signify childhood they you know? do yeah well you, you can lose your teeth outside of your childhood <gasps> and uh, it's not desirable think about it if you just like had to go out and one of your teeth was missing it's teeth are like a status symbol because it costs so much to go to the dentist for one thing and we're really self-conscious about our teeth I know this person recently who just lost one of her one of the front teeth in her face and she has a hard time paying for the dentist and so she was just so self-conscious my dad actually started a fundraiser for her oh, to really? try and pay her dentist bill to get that done because mm -hmm. yeah it's just we care a lot about our teeth and it affects the way other people perceive us Absolutely. Wow. That that is the face is how people identify, right? Mm -hmm. So I totally see that with with teeth. Um, anytime you know someone has to go through something that significantly changes their face, I feel like there is a whole identity shift in identity that happens with that. Yeah. And the fact that people who maybe have some missing teeth are perceived as being lower class too, and that um, is. A sad thing. It's mostly just because our healthcare system is so messed up. <laughs> dental is expensive. It's really Did you expensive. Know not every plan includes dental. What the <laughs> heck is that? Okay. That's the scariest part about teeth dreams is trying to pay the dentist. It's like, oh my god, now I've got to go. That's definitely happened to me in dreams too. It's like, how am I going to pay for this? That's I've got to get a huge fake one. tooth. Yeah. Oh, I. You know what? I think we've covered teeth. I want to talk about that, the unpreparedness, mm -hmm. because that's a huge thread in people's dreams as well. Oh, before I go into this, I just want to plug you guys. I have the chat here online. So if you go to the Grim Reapers website, um, at the bottom, there should be a button that says Grim Chat. If you click that, it'll bring you over to the KSFS website where you can chat with us live. I'm going to be manning that. So yeah, it may not work if you're on mobile, but just give it a shot. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Also, we really you want to call in 415-338-1532 and uh, we'll uh, grab you on the line so anyway mm -hmm. um, unpreparedness unpreparedness exactly so like you were saying you need something and you don't have the money to pay for it and also yeah healthcare is the biggest monster it's so scary um but <laughs> Yeah, unpreparedness. So a dream that has plagued me for the last few years. Um, if you don't know, I used to tour around performing at music festivals. And uh, one of my biggest nightmares over the last four years has been, you know, I'm driving five hours to a, a festival and I get there and I don't have any of my costumes or any food or any money. And it's the most stressful thing. Or I've had these those types of dreams turn into scavenger hunts where I'm running around an island in a rowboat trying to collect everything I need to make a costume. It's insanely stressful. And that's so funny because while I was doing this research, um, I came across a study by Christian Rosler. He's a professor of clinical psychology and he outlined a lot of common patterns in dreams and that unpreparedness uh, in your case was also combined with mobility dream where the dream ego has to get to a specified destination um, they might be locked up in a closed space imprisoned uh, just looking for a way to get out and if they do manage to escape you could get disoriented or lost you can miss the bus your car can break down but there's usually obstacles that are trying to keep you from getting to a specified place wow oh that's see you always come in with the studies I love you for that Camille <laughs> yeah okay well that you know 
know, confirms a lot of what I was thinking. He has some other really great patterns, too. Uh, the dream ego is threatened. Um, in this kind of dream, the subject, which he calls the dream ego, is threatened and tries to escape or protect itself against threatening figures. Um, the dream ego usually tries to escape the threat, and it ends up in some kind of chase. The threat can actually be natural or like another being. So if it's a human, it's usually a murderer or a criminal. If it's non-human, the threat might be a ghost, monster, or other malevolent presence. Yep, yep. That's the one is really, really common to nightmares. Absolutely. And actually, I definitely wanted to talk about that, the chase. The chase. Uh, because a lot of people that sent in had similar experiences to that. So let's talk about the chase. I'll start with a story from my friend Isabel Cabral. And she actually has a show on this same station, Sundays, Walk. 9 to 10 a.m. It's called Good Morning Gators. Subtle plus definitely go listen to her show it's amazing definitely. please check um, out she sent me a story of uh, one of her re reoccurring nightmares which I think is very common um, where she's being chased by faceless beings not quite human they're kind of floating behind her and they chase her to the end of the earth she falls off and that's that mm. um, and I think that is kind of like the baseline for a lot of these chase dreams is there there's an entity you're not entirely sure what it is but it's pursuing you yeah, and just the fact that you don't know exactly what its intent could be. And um, usually there's like a weapon or it's just a kind of a mysterious figure that you can't identify. And so it's like, well, does it have empathy? Is it enough like me? It's like human-ish, human-esque. And that is a really jarring thing because you don't know how to read it. Yeah, that, the uncanny valley. And that's mm -hmm. why things that are, yeah, human-esque tend to be so creepy and unsettling. Can I tell you about my experiences with um, being dreams? pursued in yeah. dreams? Because this is something that has been reoccurring in my life since I was super young. And like I said, I haven't been dreaming too much lately. So I really haven't had this one in a while. Mm -hmm. But I'm usually in like an apartment building or a hotel or someplace that's, that's like familiar, unfamiliar. See, I'm in these places. Usually I'm with like a bunch of co-workers or friends so it's me a group of people in a familiar non-familiar place maybe even yeah like an apartment building or something next thing I know everyone's gone and I'm being pursued by a man faceless don't know who he is but um he's constantly chases me down hallways room to room again like most of these dreams it ends one of two ways I either don't escape and I get attacked and usually and I, actually this is another thing that's really common is once I get attacked I try and fight back no power mm -hmm. right you have no no force behind any of your punches you really can't fight in dreams and uh, another another one of our great listeners Dimitri sent in a story about that that I'll get to a little bit later um, but yeah the the not being able to defend yourself it, it's so disheartening like it just it's heartbreaking when you're like okay I can maybe get out of this situation and you don't have the power to and I think that speaks significantly about what those dreams mean um real quick uh just wrapping up my little story on the times I do get away I noticed as I started to get into a healthier place with my mental health mm -hmm. I started getting away more often and so you know it's like I'm jumping fences like I'm looking back like ha oh uh, that's so interesting because um the amount of nightmares I found actually usually depends on someone's level of stress 
They occur more frequently with people who are victims of trauma, including like natural disasters, domestic abuse, war. They're a part of like the diagnostic criteria for PTSD. And it's just like really common in people with um, mental disorders too, mental health problems, because anxiety is such a huge part of it and it manifests itself a lot in our dreams. Uh, Netta Weinstein thought that there might be a connection between unmet psychological needs and frustration with life and negative dreams. So people who were typically frustrated with their daily lives are actually more likely to report having recurring dreams about falling, failing, or being attacked. Wow. Hits close to home. Yeah, I know. (laughs) It's like, oh, all of my neuroses uh, (laughs) can be traced back to my dreams. Or they're they're manifesting in my dreams anyway. I don't know if the dreams are definitely causing the neuroses. It's a A correlation, (laughs) maybe not causation. Not causation. No. (laughs) We're here to speculate. All right, guys, so just a quick PSA for y'all. Talking to a friend about their mental health can be awkward, but it can make a big difference. Learn how at seizetheawkward.org. All right, so we're back, and um, I think we should talk about invasion of privacy. So that's another huge um, thing that a lot of people talked about. Um, Mm -hmm. So I want to talk about one of our listeners, Dimitri. He sent us a story about a reoccurring dream that he has where he's just in his room and Mm -hmm. suddenly a bunch of strangers walk in. They just make themselves at home. They're all over the furniture. They're going through his fridge and he's trying to tell them to leave. They're all just being really mean to him. (laughs) And so now he's in this situation in his room with all these people. No one wants to leave. Um, So he, he tries to fight them. And then like we were talking about earlier... I call it the slow punch, you know, there's no power, he can't fight. That's where he wakes up usually. Huh. Yeah, and I think that's so indicative of like, invasion of privacy, maybe not feeling secure in where you live or something like that. Um, Yeah, um, some researchers call nightmares threat rehearsals. Uh, So he might be practicing for like some situation where there's someone in his house that he's not sure has the right intentions of being there trying to steal something or you know it's like all right i gotta protect um myself and my domain my home my sacred space yeah and speaking of sacred space another very sacred space is the bathroom let's talk (laughs) about toilet trauma all right (laughs) okay so another dream from uh our wonderful listener bali um she told me about when she was it was sometime uh under 10 years old a young child she has this reoccurring dream where she's sitting on the pot trying to make a number two and uh there's a semicircle of monsters standing around her watching and oh my god yeah pretty nerve-wracking yeah that would give me some major uh performance anxiety there it's like how am i supposed to get what i need to get done I gotta do my business and I do not want people watching. No. And I actually flipped when she told me that because I had a really similar dream experience. And okay, it was really weird because I'm in kindergarten, right? And I go into the bathroom to do my business. Mm -hmm. um, And suddenly my entire class, I'm like pants down like going number two and my entire class comes into the bathroom because (laughs) my teacher was coming back from Japan and we were they were going to surprise and jump out at her so now my entire class is in this tiny bathroom with me and I'm like 
go into the bathroom. So it was so like traumatic that I thought it was a memory Um, up until maybe like two years ago when I told the story and I was like, that doesn't seem like something that actually happened. No, like it doesn't that. seem like something that would happen to anyone in real life. It's like suddenly your entire class decides to take a field trip to the bathroom. <laughs> and no one even knocked. Oh. Yeah, so I, I was like, uh, I think that must have been a nightmare that I just ingrained into my memory. Apparently. Do you have any, any situations like that? No, but, uh, you know, circling back to Freud, he seems to think that... Um, Nightmares are also wish fulfillment, so maybe you just really wanted your entire class to be there with you in the bathroom. How did he know? Oh, my secret desire. Freud, Freud, stop kink-shaming me. (laughs) (laughs) You stole the words right out of my mouth. Um, Actually, another experience that I had in kindergarten or first grade that I swear was a memory until again a couple of years ago I told someone of the story and they were like what no way oh hey we have someone logged into the chat hey how's it going thanks for popping in hey okay so yes this other dream that I had in kindergarten my teacher brings in a bunch of snails and I don't know it's some kind of science project or some sort of event and she makes us have these snails crawl all over our bodies and and then she made us put them on our faces and I I I, to this day have a phobia of snails I will hyperventilate if I see a snail if I even think about stepping on a snail I will probably puke like I, I, I cross the street when I see a snail. Yeah, just listening to your story did make me a little bit queasy, yeah, so I get so it. I she's making me have these snails on my face, and I'm crying. I'm like, I don't want this. And she's like, you have to keep them on your face or you're going to fail kindergarten. <laughs> and uh, Oh, I've been, failing kindergarten. Gosh, That's, could you imagine? How yeah. would I have ever made it this far? Yeah, Anybody who fails kindergarten is just a uh, good for nothing. They don't get anywhere in life. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you know by that point if you're going to amount to something, if you're building your blocks right yeah, and you we know gotta, all your letters. We got to make sure people know what they're doing from birth. Yeah. Um, okay. So yeah, cut to me telling that story a couple years ago as an explanation of why I'm afraid of snails. And someone was like, what? I don't think that's legal. There's no way that happened to you. And I was like, oh, yeah, probably a nightmare. Yeah, that probably, makes a lot more sense. Probably right. Yeah. Although I do say snails probably make a great moisturizer. They're oh my slimy. God, we, uh, oh my God. No. <laughs> Don't even say I it. I think that was to the extent that I could even talk about snails without <laughs> like getting kind of queasy. Yeah, it's not not great. A little too uh, vivid. All right. Let's what see. else you oh, got? You know what? Mm-hmm. Natural disaster dreams. Natural so. disaster dreams. We touched on that a little bit in... Uh, uh, the types of uh, stress, yeah. Right, people right. People who are victims of natural disasters, I'm sure, have a lot of those. But people can just imagine that in their own uh, dreamscape. Right. Well, hey, you know what? Maybe you can help me get to the bottom of this. Okay. Because uh, something that, again, I've experienced numerous times since I was very young is drowning dreams, and then more specifically in my older years, tsunami dreams. Hmm. So uh, the first dream I can remember where I drowned, it's like maybe nine or ten years old. Um, it was at my mom's parents' old, old, old house. They had a pool that 
I think I've only been in twice my entirety <laughs> of them having that house. And I have this dream that I fall into the pool with my clothes on and my clothes are so heavy, they pull me down. And I remember going down from like the light chlorine colored pool that it gets a little darker. Then there's fish swimming around me. <laughs> and then I'm like sinking into like the black depths of the ocean and I can just feel myself like not like choking on not air and like my lungs getting crushed in down in the trench oh my gosh it was so scary suffocations were a really common one right oh yeah and i think we're going to talk about that a lot more when we do we're going to have an episode on sleep disorders mm -hmm. um and talk about um visions people have under sleep paralysis and that kind of stuff and i think suffocation is a huge one because it all it has to do with pressure on your chest yeah, um, dreams can also have physical causes, and one of those is sleep apnea. So if you're having trouble breathing, it's easy to imagine why um, you would have this feeling of suffocation in your dreams. Other physical causes can include um, having a fever and eating before bed. Oh, dragged. I always eat before bed. Yep. Actually, yep. sidebar, my dentist dragged the hell out of me uh, last time I saw him because uh, he was like, we were just talking casually, and then he's like, uh, are you eating candy in bed? And I was just like, shook. Uh, how did you know that? Please don't drag me. I'm sorry, I'm having a rough time right now. But, you know, uh, it's for I the best. I love candy before bed. I mean, I know it makes me more prone to nightmares, but I, there's nothing in the world that could make me give up having snacks before I go to sleep. Can I just say, cookies never taste better than when you're under three layers of blankets For real. in your bed. For real. And yes, I will sleep in my own crumbs. Fight me. <laughs> okay. Come at me. Come at me. Okay, so tsunami dreams. This one has been reoccurring and actually I'm very scared of tsunamis um, but the dream that I always have because one of the houses I lived in growing up had like huge like a wall full of windows pretty much and so the first time I had this dream I'm standing in my living room and given in this dream my house is in closer proximity to water than it was mm -hmm. but I'm sitting in my living room looking out the window and I could just see the sea go back, you know, when you can see like all the fish and stuff, I can see it drawing back and then up. And uh, I watch as this huge tsunami just crashes right through my window. Oh, um, no. And then once again, it's like whoo, swooped up in the wave and then I feel myself drowned. Um, so that has happened at any every iteration of places that I've lived. Sometimes it's like I go out to some cliffs with a friend and then boom tsunami uh again luckily it hasn't been happening to me too much lately but i mean it plagued me for a good like almost 10 years yeah nightmares are way more prevalent in children and adolescents and they usually drop off by adulthood although about half of the adult population experiences occasional nightmares um and another interesting little tidbit nightmares more common in girls than boys Really? Mm -hmm. I wonder what that's all about. I don't know. Yeah, and actually it was really interesting. So uh, y'all probably saw I put up that poll, and out of, I think, like 25 people that answered, only three of them said they did not have like a nightmare or reoccurring dream experience. Most so. people have. Most people have, um, especially earlier in their childhood. 
Yeah, totally. Um, another another disaster dream that I've been having a lot more recently, especially after moving to San Francisco, is driving across the Golden Gate Bridge and it snaps. And like, oh my gosh, I laugh, but it's actually the most horrifying thing ever. I'm always like with my dad for some reason, and we're driving across the Golden Gate Bridge to go somewhere and it just collapses or we're on a freeway in LA and it crumbles. And I actually remember once I, I had a dream where my dad's like all right get in the car we're gonna go and I'm like I'm not driving on the bridge with you I'm not driving on the bridge with you every time I do it falls and he's like okay I got you a boat then and I get in like a little rowboat and start rowing under the Golden Gate Bridge and then it snaps that's so, hilarious <laughs> oh my, my subconscious God. was like here I'll throw you a bone just kidding <laughs> oh even if you try and alter the course of your dream just ends in disappointment and death so sad it's like nada oh another one of our uh, listeners die was talking about in her she has lucid dreams where she um is just doing really cool stuff like she's like yeah i'll I'll have a dream where i'm like dunking on michael jordan and i'm like sick i'll keep doing this so and that's a that's a brighter side of that god i wish i could have a lucid dream it sounds like so much fun right um i just want to get a plug real quick Camille is our musical curator. She does all the, uh, she plans all the music for our shows. It's amazing. She always has the most pertinent songs. Um, So big shout out to Camille here uh, on the music. Thank you so much. Just a reminder, you're listening to Grim Creepers on KSFS. KSFS. KSFS, where the Grim Creepers live. Mm -hmm. Um, So you guys, I'm super excited to say we're going to have a special a special guest calling in one of our listeners kendall is going to call us in a little bit to talk about her nightmare experience fantastic so that's going to be really fun Mm -hmm. um in the meantime here i wanted to talk a little bit about medication and nightmares right i've heard a lot of different experiences Mm -hmm. um me myself i dream seldomly now Mm -hmm. um and I did have an experience here. How about yourself, Camille? Any anything to add? Medication, nightmares, how how I it? I know that there is like a correlation. I haven't been on any medication that's given me nightmares. Um but it can happen for sure. A lot of people talk about antidepressants being one of the causes of nightmares. Um, also, treatments for nightmares. Uh, if you need a treatment for recurring nightmares, you might want to take the narrative approach. While you're awake, you can reflect on the nightmare and ask yourself what you would do differently in the dream world. Inez did this actually when she tried to take her rowboat to avoid going across the Bay Bridge and having it collapse. <laughs> so you just ask yourself what you'd do differently and write down a modified storyline based on the events of the nightmare and uh, when you go back to sleep you have the power to break the cycle and eventually let go of your fear surrounding the dream wow okay well well that makes sense and uh, also probably why with the pursuing dreams I started getting away more and more frequently because I plan in my brain how to uh how to avoid destruction each time right yeah just thinking about the dream even you don't quite need to write it down but writing down the dream can help a lot because you're thinking about the dream and uh, processing and telling yourself that this is avoidable. I can overcome my fear. Another approach, if you want to take the therapy approach, is um, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. Okay, what the heck is that? That's EMDR. It's um, 
a type of hypnosis, I believe, where you can sort of uh, track someone's eye movement and talk to someone while they're like reliving this experience in their mm-hmm. brain. It's supposed to help the dreamer separate their feelings from the frightening imagery of a nightmare. Um, and it's a popular uh, technique in psychotherapy, which helps build constructive thought habits, essentially. Interesting. Like, yeah. Wow. Okay. So essentially what they do is monitor your eye movement when you sleep so they can tell maybe if they're, if your eyes are moving more rapidly, uh, there's more there's something more intense happening or something like that? I don't know if it's sleep necessarily. I think it can be, but I think it's more like a relaxation thing. You lay down and you go into like this semi-sleep state because you're just trying to imagine these events. I think there's like these poles involved that vibrate and it just like is supposed to like correspond to something in your brain. Yeah. Wow. It's really tricky. Yeah. I get so, yeah, neurology is is a major trip. Like Mm -hmm. (laughs) I can't even begin to comprehend how all that works. So um, a lot of neuroscience isn't really looking at the causes of nightmares. That's like, I've got what we have here basically, but I tried looking for so many studies and most of them are just on treatment of uh, nightmares, especially in people with PTSD. And so a little bit on borderline personality disorder too, which was nice, but not a lot of studies of neurotypical nightmares. You kind of have to go to dream interpretation sites. And I wanted to stay away from those because I want I do take this more technical approach. I was all up in those dream interpretation sites, girl. Oh my God. Uh, I don't want to get on on your domain. (laughs) She brings the facts. I bring the fun. (laughs) Um, Fun too. Yeah, she brings the fun too. Fun facts. So the causes of dreams, whether it's neurotypical or if it's psychological, and I really like the fact that it's kind of unknown and hard to nail down, right? Mm -hmm. It's just another testament to how like, there's there's a space that our minds operate in that's totally gray area that can't be explained, right? Yeah, it's there's a lot of stuff we don't know about the brain yet. Yeah, so I, I, I think that the fact that dreams can vary so much, mean so many different things, and can originate from different places, um, you know, gives us a really cool kind of mystery to ourselves, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. One psychiatrist, Ernest Hartman, actually profiled a bunch of nightmare sufferers. His common thread between these people was that they tend to have a lack of psychological defenses, is what he called it. Meaning, people who have a lot of nightmares are generally more empathetic and creative. Hey! Which I thought you might like to hear. Yeah, if you you've did. got a lot She's of nightmares. She's smiling at yeah. me because she knows I really wanted to hear that. Yeah, he called it vulnerability because they have a quote-unquote greater ability to be touched by the world. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's really cool. I guess if you have higher empathy, you would be more likely to understand or put yourself in the position of having these experiences you haven't had before, like getting hit by a big tsunami wave or being chased by an axe murderer. Right. It can give you some perspective on uh, how to handle your everyday life. Yeah. Also taught me to stay away from windows. (laughs) (laughs) Got to avoid defenestration. What's that? That's the word for getting thrown out of a window. Can you repeat that for me, please? A defenestration. With an A? No. Oh, okay. Just defenestration. Defenestration. So cool. All right. I love that. Um, Let's talk about more of my dreams. Mm -hmm. Okay. Another one that I always seem to have is 
just being at a lake, you know, and uh, actually a lot of my dreams have to do with water and like dark water. And Bali, actually, because she she sent us a lot of of her dream experiences. And one that comes up more than once is also being in like a murky lake, a murky river. One of them, actually, um, I'm going to tell you Bali's story real quick. Cause okay. She, um, she actually talked about being in murky water with a bunch of leaves and sticks which is something she's already uncomfortable with and i totally feel that like i hate being uh having my bare skin and water and feeling like leaves or anything kind of stick to it or hit my legs it's just the most unsettling feeling yeah so she's already kind of waist deep in these murky waters and then suddenly she realizes that the leaves and sticks are snakes so initial freak out and then she realizes that everything at the bottom of the lake is snakes um and it was really interesting because she's like i'm not even scared of snakes i don't know where that came from yeah um and then another one she had is again crossing like a murky river or something with her mom and uh, they are on this bridge that's really just pieces of wood floating in the water and um her mom kind of went across without her so when she turns to go back they're separated and i think that that also i mean we could analyze that a lot yeah abandonment and separation is definitely something that can show up in dreams it's funny you mentioned the like murky lake and things touching your leg because i grew up near the ocean and I can say that having seaweed touch your leg when you're in the ocean is just the grossest. It's like some slimy foreign object. And you always think, oh, it's a fish. It's a shark. It's a jellyfish. Someone is grabbing my leg right now. Someone's under there and like grabbing me. (laughs) No. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Murky waters are totally freaky. And I think it also has to do with the unknown, right? Mm -hmm. It's like... That's another w- reason I think water shows up a lot is because the ocean kind of represents the great unknown. Yeah. And so w- however it manifests itself, whether it's in a lake, a river, body of water, it tends to represent kind of like the dark space. Yeah, something that is so powerful and has so much potential to um, drown you. It's uh, terrifying. Uh, have mercy, Poseidon. All right, guys, I'm super excited. Actually, we have our call-in guest, Kendall, here to talk about some nightmare experiences. Kendall, can you hear me? Uh, Yeah, kind of. Hi, Kendall. Great to have you on the air. Let me turn myself up a little bit. Is this better? Yeah. All right, great. Awesome. Yeah, it's great to have you on the air. How you doing? I'm all right. I woke up very late today, so I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no worries. We we only got about five minutes left here, so if you want to just give us a lowdown, tell us about a dream you had or a nightmare, that'd be awesome. We'd love to hear it. Oh, um, okay. Well, so, like, I don't necessarily have, like, really bad nightmares. I usually just have, like, like scary feelings. Like, it, it feels like sleep paralysis, I guess. Right. So, like... I'll just be, like, taking, like, a middle-of-the-day nap, getting ready for my next shift, and if, like, something really loud wakes me up, it, like, it pulls me out of my dream, but not enough to, like, make me wake up all the way. Right. So, like, sometimes it feels like someone is trying to, like, rip the pillow from underneath my head, or, like, a thousand hands are, like, squeezing me, (gasps) and it's, like, I can't move, and it's super crazy, and I, like... Like, usually my boyfriend will be, like, sitting kind of close to me, so he'll be like, babe, are you okay? And, like, obviously I'm, like, super stuck, so he'll come and just start, like, trying to, like, 
like wiggle me and like oh trying gosh. to get me to like sit up and stuff. It's Can like, you speak? It's such a crazy feeling. Can you speak when that's happening? Because I always, it's like paralysis. Oh, no. <laughs> oh God, that's wow. horrifying. Definitely. I can like kind of make noises and like twitch a little bit, but like I literally can't like, like I can't get myself to open my eyes or even like speak real words. Just like me, like, mm, uh, like I need help, but I can't say it. Oh wow! Well, it's nice. It's nice that you have a partner that can recognize those signs and try and help, um, because yeah, that is. And it, it's actually really cool that you called with this story because we're gonna do an episode down the line specifically on sleep paralysis. So we right. can definitely have you back on uh, to talk about that a little bit more because that oh, does. Sure. It does sound like you know you're in that state where you're consciously aware but physically not and it's terrifying to think about it's even worse like you know that you're sleeping and like obviously none of these things are happening but it feels so real and like if i'm by myself and something like that happens to me i pretty much just have to like suffer through it and like try to calm myself down as much as possible and as soon as I feel, like, whatever that feeling is letting up, then I'll, like, try to move my leg or, like, move my arm so then, like, I could, like, you know, like, try and get the feeling back of being yeah. in control because it's yeah. so freaky. Um, how long have you, uh, how long has this been happening to you? Uh, I don't know, since I was, like, probably, like, 16. But it's, like, it only happens if, like, I've been woken up and, like, in, like, a really deep sleep. And then, like, I don't wake all the way up. Oh, oh wow. Okay, well... So, like... Oh. oh. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, uh, we're going to have to wrap up here soon, so uh, sure. we'll do final words here, and then we'll definitely have you back on when we're, we talk more about sleep paralysis, which should be a few weeks down the line here, but it's sure. amazing to hear from you. Thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, to hear from you too, Shay. Thanks so much for calling in, and we'll talk to you again soon. Okay, love you, girl. Bye. All right, love you too. Bye. Well, I won't be sleeping tonight. Absolutely not. That was definitely unsettling. Um, And you know what? Speaking on sleep paralysis a little bit more, researching for this episode, I watched the documentary The Nightmare on Netflix. It's a documentary about sleep paralysis. Do not watch it if you like to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Or if you like to sleep uh, soundly. You're going to be thrashing a little bit, having some night terrors. (laughs) Just a little bit. Well, you've been listening to Grim Creepers on KSFS. Next up, we've got the bus down. All right, so stay tuned, guys.